Greetings and love to all of you. My name is Brother Bumananda, and I'm speaking here in the chapel of the International Headquarters of Self-Realization Fellowship in Los Angeles. And this chapel here is very sacred to us because it is here that our guru and founder, Paramahansa Yogananda, often conducted meditations and services. So we're very, very happy to have you join us from all over the world. And it's really um, such an inspiring and, and wonderful thought to think that throughout this globe, we're all linked together, united in our desire to seek God and to bring God more into our lives and to experience his love and joy. So we're going to be talking about the subject of healing. At times, every one of us has our struggles with the body, so it's a very relevant subject. And especially this past year or so, with the COVID virus, uh, there's been many concerns, of course, about um, health and how to uh, protect ourselves in the right way. And sometimes we can get a bit overwhelmed by it all, a, a little overwhelmed by fear and worry. And this is very human and it's understandable. But you know, the message from the great ones is this. No matter what challenges we're going through personally, and no matter what the world is going through on a massive scale, Still, there's so much we can do to help ourselves. If you meditate, if you practice the how to live teachings of yoga, if you seek God with faith and devotion, you will see with time, you will experience a transformation that really is rather uh, miraculous, an amazing thing. So we're going to be covering the dynamics of healing, the subtle forces and energies that underlie the proper functioning of the body. We do not, this does not in any way discount the contributions of medical science. And our guru very much took a balanced approach. He respected the work of the scientist and the doctors. At times he would refer devotees to go see a doctor, but he always emphasized, always pointed out that underlying the physiology of the body, there's a higher science at work, the science of yoga. So first we'll have a brief period of meditation and then we'll get into the talk. So let us begin then. We'll have our opening prayer. So closing our eyes, putting ourselves in the presence of God and the Great Ones. And please pray with me. Heavenly Father, 
mother, friend, beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri Yateshwar, and our Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, saints of all religions, we bow to you all. Beloved God, open our hearts and minds that we be receptive to the full inflow of thy blessings, thy love, thy joy. Unite our hearts with thy love. Unite our souls with thy joy. Unite our lives with thy cosmic consciousness. Om. Peace. Amen. So now we'll begin. Let us put ourselves in the correct meditation posture. Nice, straight, erect spine, but keep very relaxed. There should be no straining our tension. Shoulders back, abdomen comfortably in, chest out, feet flat on the floor. Lifting the gaze to the point between the eyebrows, which is the center of divine perception in the human body. And from that position, interiorized feeling we're in the presence of that divine power, God. We will be using one of our Guru's affirmations from his book, Scientific Healing Affirmations. And the affirmation we'll be repeating is this. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. God is light. God is wisdom. God is peace. God is love. And we, being made in his image, are essentially cosmic peace, love, joy, wisdom, we are of the cosmic Om vibration, the Holy Ghost, that holy vibration of God that structures, empowers all creation, omnipresence. So let us repeat this affirmation together now. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. 
the healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. The healing power of spirit is flowing through all the cells of my body. I am made of the one universal God substance. Now take a few moments and repeat the affirmation mentally, really feeling the power and the truth of these words, of this affirmation our Guru has given to us. Now keeping the attention fixed, the point between the eyebrows. Keep the mind calm and still. And just feel that you are not the body, but the divine consciousness within the body and without the body. Feel that you are part of that ocean of cosmic peace cosmic wisdom, cosmic love, the cosmic OM vibration.
Om Shanti. Amen. So what does yoga tell us on the subject of healing? Well, the subject begins with realizing and understanding that you're not just a physical body. The Indian scriptures state and emphasize that the root cause of all our suffering is the soul's identification with this little physical form. But the truth is you're indestructible. Consciousness, energy, eternal. You, we never die. Death is just a, a, a false experience. The reality is the soul eternally lives. And so again, it comes to that affirmation that we used. I am made of the one universal God substance. We are of the cosmic ohm vibration, the Holy Ghost, this cosmic intelligent vibration that structures and enlivens all creation. And the essence of the ohm is love, joy, peace beyond our wildest imaginations. In the Bible, there's the episode where Jesus is tempted by Satan after he's been meditating and fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. Now, in India, we speak of Maya, this force of cosmic delusion. In the Bible, often it will mention Satan or the devil or the tempter. And you can think of these as personifications of this cosmic force of delusion that keeps us ensnared in all our troubles. And so Satan said to Jesus when he was fasting, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And these words that Jesus used, uh, thou shall not live by bread alone, but by every wor word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our Guru Paramahansaji often referred to these words. Word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God means cosmic energy. Cosmic energy is constantly flowing into the body through the astral center in the medulla at the base of the skull. The medulla, this is the mouth of God through which the cosmic energy, the word, flows into and enlivens the body, providing what we think of as life. And Paramahansa explains that if that beam, that flow of energy coming into the body through the medulla was interrupted, we would instantly drop dead. We're not as much physical beings as we think we are. Here's something a medical doctor, Robert Becker of New York State University said. There is only one health, but diseases are many. Likewise, there appears to be one fundamental force that heals, although the myriad schools of medicine all have their favorite ways of cajoling it into action. By whatever means, if the energy is successfully focused, 
it results in a marvelous transformation. The doctors work with medicines and different therapies that stimulate the life force, and this is a very good thing. The yogis work directly with this cosmic energy that is the source of life. Now, an important point that Paramahansaji makes that I want to get into a little bit. He says this, the time comes in the life of every individual when regardless of what food he eats or how many breathing exercises he does or sun baths he takes, he is forced to admit, no matter what I do, my health is failing. My parents grew up during the Great Depression of the 1930s, and so from time to time, as a little boy, I would hear about the stock market crash, which precipitated this whole thing with the Great Depression. Well, many of us have not known a stock market crash to that extent, but there's one crash that we're all going to have to face, and it's called the body crash. There will come a time when this body just uh, refuses to cooperate. And so the question is, when the body's troublesome, when it refuses to cooperate like we would like it to, what do you do? And here's what Paramahansaji says. In truth, the inner life energy is self-sufficient. It alone can support the body. Man, as a, quote, food addict, has simply forgotten how to draw directly upon the bodily life force and its continuous supply of cosmic energy. So food, oxygen, sunshine, these are sources of energy, but they're secondary sources of energy. The primary source is the life energy flowing into the medulla the inner life force. Paramahansaji would sometimes speak about the benefits of fasting, where you take one day a week and you fast on something like orange juice with maybe a little bit of ground almonds, or two to three consecutive days a month you fast. And we actually, in the ashram, we take one day a week and we have a fast. You can even do uh, fruit if you want, in addition to a little juice. And when you fast, what you find is the mind and the will begin to draw the energy from the inner source. And then you realize that you're not so dependent upon food as you thought you were. You begin to realize you're, you're not just a physical being, you know, who um, needs the breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the five snacks in between. When our guru went to Europe in 1935, he visited the famous mystic of Bavaria, Theresa Neumann. Now, she had stopped taking food on Christmas Day, 1926. And when he saw her, it was 1935, so she had been about 10 years without food. And yet he said of her, she looked as fresh as a flower. And when he asked her how she did it, she said very simply, I live by God's light. I live by God's light. 
And when he was in India, he, in Bengal, he visited another saint, uh, Giri Bala, who had lived for 56 years without food. Her guru had taught her a technique which made it possible to live without eating. And in all those years, she had never been sick, never had any disease. And he asked her what the purpose of her life was, and she replied, to prove that man is spirit, to demonstrate that by divine advancement, he can gradually learn to live by the eternal light and not by food. And it's not that we're going to teach you how to live without eating. Guruji was very balanced in that way. But he did emphasize, enjoy your food, but don't let it control you. In other words, and sometimes he would say something to this effect, you should eat your food, your food shouldn't eat you. Practice, in other words, we practice moderation, self-control, because otherwise the food eats up our health. The example of these saints, they demonstrate we have a body, but in essence we are spirit. And again, it goes to that wonderful affirmation that we used. I am made of the one eternal God substance. Now, our guru gives a wonderful technique for recharging the body with cosmic energy. And these are the energization exercises that we teach. And his instructions were that we practice these twice daily, morning and evening, and he himself did this. In fact, if he missed his morning practice because of all the demands from the work, he would practice them in the evening, and then he would do them again. Now, he was a God-realized master. He did not need to practice the exercises, but he did it to impress upon all the devotees, including all of us, the importance of daily practice. They're not just exercises. They're a form of pranayama, life force control. They recharge the body with vitality. They develop our powers of concentration, our mental efficiency. I remember years ago, uh, we had an event at Mount Washington here in the evening, and it went on quite long, and then afterwards, a group of us monks were driving back to the Encinitas ashram, and it was rather late, and I was feeling a bit worn out from a long day of activity, and I was thinking, well, we're probably going to get home about one in the morning. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do the energization exercises. And then I thought, well, I better do them now. Now, I was sitting in the car, and you can't do the exercises properly in the car. So what I did though, I sitting in the car, I visualized myself doing them, and I actually did the tensing and relaxing part of them, and I really got into it. I really was focused, concentrated on each of the exercises, and it was really amazing. By the end of my practice, the weariness had vanished, and I felt totally rested and alert. And I felt so good that when we got home, in Encinitas. I went outside in the fresh air, and this time I did them again. I did them properly, standing up. Perhaps the biggest benefit of these exercises, after you've been doing them for some years, 
you begin to intuitively experience and realize that you're not just the body, but that you are that indestructible energy that for a time resides in the body, energy and consciousness. So these exercises, again, they're not just exercises, they're a technique of realization, a powerful technique. Here's what our guru says. Through the practice of these exercises, persevering students come to feel and realize themselves as full of light and lightness. Every cell is found to become spiritualized and full of life. The faithful practice of the energization exercises will show you that you are not the body, that the body is merely the beautiful tabernacle of the indwelling immortal life energy. So I thought we would practice something together. So here's what Master says. Tense with will. By command of will, direct the life energy through the process of tension to flood the body or any body part. Feel the energy vibrating there, energizing, revitalizing. Relax and feel. Relax the tension and feel the soothing tingle of new life and vitality in the recharged area. Feel that you are not the body. You are that life that sustains the body. So I'm going to ask, close your eyes. Now tense your whole body and feel that you're flooding the body with new cosmic energy coming in through the medulla. Let's do that now. And feel the body just vibrating with energy. Now relax, completely relax, and feel the soothing tingling that is the result of the recharging of the body with the fresh cosmic energy you have brought in through this exercise. You can open your eyes now. So when you practice on your own, just tell yourself at the beginning to give yourself a little pep talk, tense with will, relax and feel. These two basic phases of the exercises. We also can maximize our health and vitality with a strong mind. And we do this by right attitude, by positive thinking, by using these very powerful affirmations and prayers that Guruji has given us. Guruji said, the mind sets the tone for all the activities of the body. The mind sets the tone for all the activities of the body. There was this one man when he was a boy, he got tuberculosis. And so they sent him off to a sanitarium for six months to recuperate. And he noticed at this place that the boys basically divided themselves into two groups. One group was very active. They had a lot of creative activities, made friendships, very positive and upbeat. And they were just determined that they were going to beat this thing and get back to normal life as quick as possible. Then there was a second group. They were very morose and depressed and had resigned themselves 
to having a long, serious illness that could be even fatal. And he noticed that the first group to which he belonged, the positive group, had a much, much higher percentage of being discharged and regaining their health. Thousands of years ago, Hippocrates said this, I would rather know what sort of person has a disease than what sort of disease a person has. And Sir William Osler, who was a famous Canadian physician, said that the outcome of tuberculosis has much more to do with what goes on in the patient's mind than what goes on in the patient's lungs. Well, I remember once I had this very vivid demonstration of the power of the mind. So what happened, I made myself a cup of hot mint tea and I was enjoying the tea and it was a real strong minty flavor. And then I happened to look down and I saw this tea bag hanging out of my shirt pocket and I thought, well, what's that doing there? And I looked in the cup and I realized I had forgotten to put the tea bag in the cup and I had been drinking hot, plain, boiled water and to this day, it's the best cup of mint tea I ever had. And it was all produced in the mind. These minds have so much influence. Well, in ancient Japan, there was this big battle about to take place. And so this general decided with his army to attack, even though his forces were greatly outnumbered. He was confident that they were going to win. But his men didn't share his confidence. They had doubts. So on the way to the battle, they stopped at this famous shrine. And with great drama, the general took out a coin in front of his men. And he said, I will now flip the coin. If it comes down heads, we will win. And if it comes down tails, we will lose. Destiny will reveal itself to us. And so all the army was watching intently. And he flipped it way high up and it came down heads, and the soldiers were overjoyed, and they vigorously attacked, and they won a decisive victory. And afterwards, one of the lieutenants said to the general, no one can change destiny. And the general said, quite right, lieutenant, no one can change destiny. And then he showed the lieutenant the coin, heads on both sides. And I think this is very, very much in line with Master's teachings, because he emphasizes we make our own destiny with right action. And for us, the enemy, it's not a bunch of soldiers somewhere. It's those inner soldiers we have to fight, those inner enemies, the doubts, the worries, the fears, the insecurities, the diseases. And the great weapon we use is strong, positive, prayerful thoughts. But you know, to develop a strong mind, you don't have to wait for the test. And one great way to develop the mind is to practice enthusiasm. And that also raises the level of the health, too. It was the very first thing that Dayama told me when I entered the ashram as a young monk. She said, learn to find joy in doing whatever you're asked to do here in the ashram. 
And that really applies not just to the ashram, it applies to all life, isn't it? When we're enthusiastic, it definitely brings energy. Here's something a medical doctor said. Put yourself wholeheartedly into something and energy grows. It seems inexhaustible. If, on the other hand, you are divided and conflicted about what you are doing, you create anxiety. And the amount of physical and emotional energy consumed by anxiety is exorbitant. And our guru said, when one is unwilling to do a task, he is tired from the beginning. But when he is willing, he is full of energy. One who does everything with willingness and interest finds that he is able to draw unceasingly from the reservoir of cosmic power. This was the training that I received from the very beginning of my life as a monk in the ashrams of Paramahansa Yogananda. At that time, we had a very saintly monk brother, Pramamoy, who was in charge of us young ones, training us. And I remember one point he often stressed to us was, when you serve, never do it half-heartedly. You have to give 100%. And when you do this, it definitely brings in the energy. It recharges the body and mind. But there's also another aspect to this that he would emphasize. And that is this. You see, everything we do is habit forming. Every action we take, good or bad, strengthens, reinforces the, the habit that that action represents. Now, if we go through the day, and whatever we're doing, we're giving 100%. And then it's the end of the day, and maybe you're feeling a little worn out, but it's time to meditate and practice the meditation techniques. What's going to happen? Because you've been giving 100% throughout the day and reinforcing that habit, when it comes time to meditate, you're going to throw yourself into the meditation and give 100% because you've been practicing that. You've developed that habit. You see, the spiritual path, it's not just the time we spend on the meditation seat, it's everything we do. There has to be a continuum of spiritual effort. So when we act, we act for God to please God, and we give 1,000%. 1,000%. And when we meditate, we meditate for God, to please God. We give that 1,000%. And when we live our lives in that way, our lives become just exquisitely beautiful, filled with joy, filled with happiness, filled with vitality. So I have a homework assignment for you. But this is good homework. It's a spiritual homework assignment. So think of something that you don't like to do, but you have to do it. And we all have these things, don't we? But this time, go into it with this attitude. I'm doing this for you, God, and I'm going to do the very best I can. And then throw yourself into it. And what you will see, it changes the whole experience.
Now I want to talk a little bit about the power of faith. Paramahansaji says, in cases of chronic ill health, in which the usual remedies are clearly inadequate, only deep faith in God's limitless power can heal the sufferer. Ordinary healing methods applied to physical maladies usually take note only of the symptoms and do not seek the root cause, the disturbed life force. By the enlivening power of a devotee's continuous faith, the Lord can guide the all-healing life force to cure the body of any ailment in a seemingly miraculous way. Some of us may be facing right now some serious illness. And yes, we make use of medical science, of course. As I said, our guru at the beginning, our guru was very balanced in that way. And yes, we use our spiritual techniques. We meditate, we use prayer, we use affirmations. And while we continue with these spiritual practices, so important we do it with that trust, with that intuitive knowing that all things are possible for God. If God decides to heal you, he can take away the most severe disease and he can do it very quickly. There's that beautiful story of Lahiri Mahashai, an autobiography of a yogi. He had this disciple, Ramu, who had been blind since birth. And so one of the devotees went to Ramu and said, well, you should ask the master to heal you. And so he did. And Lahiri Mahashai responded, Ramu, someone has connived to put me in a difficult position. I have no healing power. Sir, the infinite one within you can certainly heal. That is indeed different, Ramu. God's limit is nowhere. And so then Lahiri Mahashai touched him at the Christ Center. And he said, keep your attention there for seven days and chant the name of the prophet Ram. And in seven days, you will be able to see. And it came to pass. He was completely healed. And at the conclusion of the story, our guru writes, Ramu's faith was the devotionally plowed soil in which the guru's powerful seed of permanent healing sprouted. So his faith was the soil in which the seed of healing was able to sprout. The truth is, God's power, God's blessing is constantly flowing to us without interruption. Constantly, unceasingly. But the channel through which we receive those blessings gets all clogged up with negative emotions, with wrong thoughts, with bad habits. And so when it's all clogged up, we can't receive the healing blessings. But through faith, through that loving, trusting relationship with God, we clear the channel of all the emotional and mental debris. And then the blessings can freely flow. And the image that comes to me, you're walking in the forest and you come to this kind of muddy, um, unattractive, swampy area. But then you clear away the mud and the leaves and the debris, and then the transparent, 
clear, sweet water of the spring bubbles up and you drink of it and it refreshes you. And so through our faith, we clear out all that debris so that we can fully receive that inner flow of God's blessings, of God's love. That faith grows in meditation. Faith founded on belief alone, that's not strong enough. When tested, it will falter. Master says real faith is rooted in intuitive realization of God. And that comes by meditation. So in this world, we're going to have struggles. That's kind of the nature of this whole thing. We'll have challenges with the body. And of course, the world will be going through its challenges as well. But with meditation, with affirmations, with all these techniques our guru gives, we have so many wonderful tools with which we can help ourselves, keep ourselves strong, keep ourselves filled with joy and peace and love. So if you haven't done so yet, I would really encourage you to enroll for the Self-Realization Fellowship lessons. Because in those lessons are given all the meditation techniques, all the how to live teachings that our guru gives to his students. And what will happen through the years as you keep meditating and you keep applying these teachings, you will see that your peace, your happiness, your joy, it grows. It grows and, and more and more you realize and you intuitively experience, it's a real experience that you're not just this little physical machine. You're so much more. You begin to identify yourself, not as the body, but as that eternal, indestructible, ever joyous, ever loving consciousness of the soul. And remember, as I said in the beginning, um, the root cause of all our suffering is the soul's identification with the body. So there's a very powerful shift that takes place that we have to look for as we faithfully practice these teachings. So to close with our Guru's words, the power of truth is here in these teachings. And if you will but make a determined effort, you will no longer walk in fear and uncertainty on the pathway of life. So let us now take a few moments to deeply pray for all who have asked for help and for greater peace and understanding in the world. Let's do that now.
So now we'll be practicing our Guru's healing technique where we send out healing energy to all those in need of physical, mental, and spiritual healing. So first we'll be practicing healing of the body and we'll be rubbing our hands together, visualizing energy flowing through the medulla into the hands as we rub them together, then raising our arms and chanting Om, and as we gradually lower our arms, sending out the healing vibrations to those in need. For the mental healing, it will be similar, but we'll be rotating the hands around one another, generating this ball of energy, and then again, sending the healing energy out. And for healing of the soul, spiritual realization, we'll be rubbing the hands together. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Thou art omnipresent. Thou art in all Thy children. Manifest Thy healing presence in their bodies. Om. Heavenly Father, Thou art omnipresent. Thou art in all Thy children. Manifest Thy healing presence in their minds. Om. Heavenly Father, Thou art omnipresent. Thou art in all Thy children. Manifest Thy healing presence in their souls. Om. And raising our arms and through the cosmic Om, sending God's light and energy and love throughout the world. Om. So let us now have our closing prayer. Heavenly Father, Mother, friend, beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri Yateshwar, and our Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, saints of all religions, we bow to you all. Beloved God, may thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of my devotion, and may I be able to awaken thy love in hearts everywhere. Om. Peace. Amen.